Sports Radio 104.3 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, here's Terry. All right, we're back, and let's go right to the phones. I want to spend a lot of time because he's such a great resource to us. Joining us as he does every morning, Saturday morning at 10 o'clock, Nate Zielinski. Good morning, Nate. Good morning, Terry. How are you today? You know, I'm doing well. You know, I was just looking. I have a few notes. I don't script anything, but I always have a few notes on my sheet in front of me. And, like, I'll talk to somebody and I'll have a couple notes, but make sure that I bring it up during their segment. On yours, it just says 10 o'clock, Nate. Now, Karen puts some notes on the schedule, (laughs) and it says everything fishing, so I look at her notes because you let her know what you want to talk about. But I don't think you and I have ever planned what we're going to talk about more than just we get an idea out there and we just run with it, and I kind of like that. It brings a lot of fresh information, I think. Absolutely, Terry. And we do have a lot to cover today. I mean, I have a couple of announcements of what we're doing here at Tightline and some events coming up this week. Um, Obviously, this warm weather, I think, is banner for turkey hunting. I know you guys have already talked about that, but so many turkey hunters get out on that opening weekend, and it's unbelievable the, the burnout rate that a turkey hunter has. People get so excited, they hit opening weekend, and they just stop. Um, I was trying to look at some some rough numbers, and it's something like 50% of turkey hunters here in Colorado quit after that opening weekend, um, which is just crazy because right now it's warm weather. The birds are gobbling, so so turkey hunting is on, and I got to say that the, the warm weather is getting everything going in the fishing world. Spinny opened yesterday uh, to the public. It's not open to boats. But, I mean, the opener of Spinney is a, is a huge springtime kind of summer event. Um, the walleye fishing and bass fishing on the front range. Uh, I spent the week down in Pueblo, and those walleyes are up on structure. It's a summer pattern, you know, extremely high catch rate type days. Uh, Cherry Creek's on fire. Chatfield has fish everywhere. So there's so much going on. So, yeah, we, we definitely can always come up with something to talk about. That's for sure. Hey, I want to circle back to what you said about Spinney. I saw that, too, that they opened, but the water was too low to open the boat landing, so it's hand-launched and shore fishing right now. I know you talk to the people out there that run that facility. Are they optimistic about getting enough water to bring the level up? Should we expect boating to come up in the near future? Yeah, yeah, I think so. You know, Darcy's the new park manager up there, and I have to say that she she is doing an amazing job up there. Uh, really works with the public, so really excited to see that. Again, Darcy's probably in her maybe her second year as park manager up there, I would guess. Uh, but, but her and senior manager, Mike, they're doing a good job. Um, and honestly, so much of it's out of their control. Obviously, Spinney is ran by the Aurora Water District, um, so it's calls for that. You know, generally speaking, we keep boating open right up until almost Halloween, so the end of October in a normal fall. Um, and they had to shut it down, you know, in late September, early October this year to boating because the water got too low, which is kind of crazy. We, we haven't seen that in a long time. Um, with that being said, obviously our snowpack, I would say our snowpack is unique this year. Some areas got far more uh, than an average snowpack. Some got less. But really, when it comes down to our individual reservoirs, it's all about the drainage. I think everybody hears snowpack and they assume we're good or bad. 
but in reality, when it comes to our actual reservoirs, it's all which drainages are going to have snowpack, and sometimes you can just miss those drainages. Um, I do think we're going to have some some good flow into the South Platte drainage, um, so therefore I do think that Spitty's going to get a lot of water in it. Um, as far as when that water is going to be and what the calls are, I am not sure. So even though we work with the park on things, it really is the, the calls from Aurora. When we say a call, when they call for water release out of Spinney, um, I do not have access to the calls on water. So I do not know yet how much water is going to be able to hold. So I would say that within a week or so, we're going to start seeing our flow rate go high because we're having some warmer temps. Um, so I, I would say that if there's no calls on water, I would hope by May 10th, May 12th, uh, we would start to see that water level approaching a high enough level um, to get those boat docks open. Now, when I talk to the park manager, they don't want to promise anything. They're saying hopefully by the end of the month um, type situation, but really it's all on the calls on water. So if Aurora does not call for that water, I would say it's going to open sooner than later. If there's a lot of calls for water down drainage where they're going to fill up those reservoirs first and then kind of keep stacking them as they go higher, it might be later in the month. Um, Honestly, my true goal, Terry, is by next week in show to have a much more accurate detail. I'm going to try to try to push the limits and see what I can't get Aurora to let me know as far as calls for water and and give a better prediction. Uh, But again, the fishing from shore, I know yesterday was great. Float tubes was great. Um, So we're just going to see what the future holds. But hopefully by next week and I and have a little better forecast. But right now, it's pretty much uh, very dependent on on the calls for water and how much they can actually hold in that reservoir without releasing some. All right. Well, let's move on to some of the things we do know. Um, we're, we're getting some really warm weather, and like you mentioned, we've kind of gone through a kind of a different spring where we've had prolonged cooler weather with no really warm days in between, which is unusual for April. But I think we're going to see the fishing really take off. You said you're already seeing the transition to summer patterns. Give us, Take us through some of the places you know what's going on and what the bite is like. Absolutely. You know, we'll start off with, with Cherry Creek. That is right now a very traditional April bite. I do think that we're probably down to, you know, our final 10 days or two weeks of that traditional bite. Um, we're pulling lead core in the base, and we've talked about it now for six weeks. Nothing's changed other than the fact that our catch rate is through the roof. Um, I talk to a lot of anglers that are struggling with this. That's the only reason we continue to talk about it. Those fish are in the basin. We see basin. They're in the middle of the lake swimming over a mud flat they're in 20 foot of water there is no rhyme or reason you could literally go out there and troll figure eight you control a circle it does not matter the fish are spread out everywhere but you have to have a consistent speed you have to get a a lure or small bait down within six inches of the bottom you don't want to drag bottom but you got to be within six inches of the bottom once you get a bait in that zone and play through colors the fishing is outstanding. I would say right now we're on 40 to 60 fish days. Um, I mean, it's literally as good as fishing can be um, in that trolling type technique. And I will say that we're seeing a lot of nice fish, a a pile of those 18 to 20 inch good eater fish, a lot of mid 20 inch fish. So, so that's a tremendous bite. But if you are struggling with that consistent speed, you're struggling getting that bait down within six inches of the bottom. The bite is extremely tough. So we just keep talking about that because, again, I, I want anglers to know that bite exists, but you definitely have to be dialed in. I know that they can watch some of the TV shows that you and I have filmed out there, Terry. You have a ton of stuff on your YouTube channel, but, again, find the resources, but just know it's all about a small bait covering water in that basin, but you have to be two to four inches, two to six inches off bottom, and that's how you're catching those fish. But just know that bite does exist. And in about 10 days to two weeks, 
those fish are going to start moving. That bite's going to 100% fade out, and our fish are going to be on structure. And that's when your jigs, your blade baits, your live bait rigs are going to come across. Now, you jump just to the west to Chatfield Reservoir, and we're already starting to see those transitions. So at Chatfield, I was there this week as well, and I had everything going on. I still have a phenomenal night bite. This is, you know, fairly, you know, early post-spawn fish, uh, you know, trolling planer boards and casting jerk bait at night. And that bite is, is phenomenal. Um, we have some deep mud flats out in front of like Plum Creek or along basically the swim beach to Massey Draw West Shore. That's a big mud flat. And we're trolling lead core the same as we are at Cherry Creek on those areas and we're catching a bunch of fish. Um, there's already fish starting to stack up on the roadbeds to where the traditional summer, you know, lindy rig and live bait rigs on the structure areas are catching fish as well as throwing some jigs. So Chatfield, um, I would say it's fairly unique to be this early and still be in April and have that many versatility bites to where we have the, the true spring bites as well as the summer pipe bites all colliding together. So it's a lot of opportunity at Chatfield. So you can really kind of pick your strength and just go find those individual fish, which is pretty neat. And then Pueblo, same thing, where, you know, obviously usually the water's just a hair warmer at Pueblo. I will say that traditionally right now, if you look at the past 20-year averages, our water's down about 3, 4 degrees from an average spring as we approach early May. Uh, but with that said, there's a ton of fish on structure. Uh, I put a big focus this week on about 10 to 14 feet of water. I was all about the mud. So whether you're on a mud flat or a mud finger extruding out, the lake those fish were all around that mud that mud's warmer it holds a lot of bug life just holds a lot of nourishment and food um and those walleyes were stacked on that mud same thing catching a lot of fish and honestly as you fish you know a lot of that structure at pueblo you know it tends to get into a traditional summer type colorado fishery where you catch so many of those young males those 15 to 17 inch males but right now you still have quite a few females kind of hanging on that mud so, so we're getting a lot of, of good fish um, at Pueblo. So if you know Pueblo, you know what I'm talking about, those summer patterns. You're so used to catching so many of those males. But right now, a lot of females kind of mingled together. So if I was going to Pueblo, grab yourself a three- to four-inch paddle tail, you know, a quarter- to three-eighths-ounce jig head, focus on mud, and you can have a great day of catching a lot of walleyes out there right now. Yeah, we're going to see that transition. And, and once these fish start to transition to the structure, we're actually going to, it'll maintain that bite for a while until we see the bait fish start to hatch and, and there'll be more, another transition, but we'll get a good period of time. One comment I wanted to make on trolling, you talked, to, <clears throat> you talked about the trolling bite. A lot of people think, well, I'm, I, I'm not good at fishing a jig, so I'm just going to troll around. There's probably more precision necessary in trolling to be really successful than in a lot of your structure techniques, isn't there? I, I hate to say it, Terry, because trolling does get such a bad rep, but in reality of everything that we do, I mean, you look at, at a walleye angling in particular, you know, you talk about slip bobbers and vertical jigging, pitching jigs, live bait rigs, and everything else you can do. And in reality, bo you know, trolling is, is by far the one that requires the most technique. And I mean, you look at it and everybody thinks trolling, is, you know, fire at the motor, put it in gear, cast out and drag bait. Um, which in some situations that could be what it is, but in this particular situation, I mean, your speed is flawless. Like at Cherry Creek, I'm catching fish at 1.6 miles an hour. Now, other guys are going slower. Other guys are going faster. But for me personally, 
it's that one six. But with lead core, even one tenth of a change of speed going down to one five or one seven, my baits will rise or fall, taking me out of the strike zone and immediately stopping the opportunity to catch fish. So when I'm talking about precision, you know, the lake is not perfectly flat. You know, they didn't grade it out to be a, a garage floor. So, you know, you have vet, a lot of depth variance. You have obviously speed variance of the boat. So when you're trying to hold the bait two to four inches off bottom, that is extremely difficult. And I always tell my anglers, if we're out in the water, you know, we had a, had a day this week where we had like a 50-fish day, and my guys are like, man, you know, I haven't seen anybody else catch fish. I'm like, see how everybody's sitting in their boats? They said, yeah. I said, if you're sitting, you don't have a chance. I said, what are you talking about? I'm like, look at us. We're adjusting our depth. We're adjusting our speed. It, it's literally, it's high-intensity fishing. You can't sit still for a second because you are just constantly adjusting your depth, constantly steering the boat. Um, it's a lot of work to hold that precision. But when you do, you're catching a lot of fish. So, again, precision trolling, you know, be able to take a crankbait and put it six inches above your targeted fish. Um, you know, even if it's a suspended fish, that's always our goal, and that's how you catch a lot of fish at the end of the day. But it is by far not what the, the general angler thinks trolling is. It's definitely not a put it in gear, cast out, and drag. Um, it's very precision in all aspects, for sure. Now, we've got some <clears throat> excuse me, some questions. One uh one uh, listener texted they want to go somewhere they said up north to do some shore fishing tomorrow and i'm going to have chad on later and we'll cover some of that but you got to have you had heard any bites up north in the north part of the state you know, it, it, as far as north i haven't I, I mean obviously the general speaking the the horsetooth and carter spawning fish go much later than like the chatfield cherry creek pueblo fish that we're talking about so that almost always presents a jerkbait bite. There's nobody better to talk about that than Chad. Um, so I would really pick those brains. I know that we're starting to see some of the bass slide a little shallower at Boyd. I'm hearing a crappie slide a little shallower at Boyd. Uh, but those are just the rumors that I've heard. But for the most part, I, I'm pretty much heavily focused on the front range in the south right now. All right. Last, before I let you go, Nate, I know you probably got some events to tell us about, but we're going to have two really nice days. Today's going to be good, but then Sunday and Monday are going to be great. Where is one place you would go fishing, both from a boat and then one from shore? Absolutely, Terry. From a boat, I don't think right now it'd be a split decision between jumping down to Pueblo uh, as well as Cherry Creek. That Cherry Creek lead core bite, if you have capabilities, you have lead core, you have three ways. If you are interested in trolling and catching a lot of fish, it literally is probably one of my favorite bites of the entire year. So that Cherry Creek trolling bite, it, that's where I'll, I will be there tomorrow. If you want to see me on the water, I will be at Cherry Creek tomorrow because that's where that bite is at and it's hot. If not, you want to throw some jigs, I'd run down to Pueblo. If you're shore fishing, honestly, as much as I, I hate dealing with kind of the opening day type crowds, spinning mountain early in the year like this, it's just kind of something that's more of a tradition. So I think shore fishing wise, you could hit spinny, you could hit the, the open water that exists at Antero, you could hit the open water that exists at 11 Mile. Uh, so all those big trout fisheries, there's some giant spawning uh, and recent post spawning fish at those reservoirs. I don't think that could, uh, that, that's an awesome opportunity for shore anglers right now, especially on these nice days. All right, my friend, uh, any announcements about upcoming events? Absolutely. So we have a, a great thing going on on Tuesday. So doing a lot with Colorado Parks and Wildlife, and we put together something called a Big Game Hunting Series. We were going to release some edited content on Tuesday, but we've had so many questions about gear, tags, upcoming hunts, um, that we're going to do a live feed on Tuesday. So you can go to Colorado Parks and Wildlife's 
Facebook page as well as their Instagram page, and you can follow this live feed. So on Tuesday, 7 p.m., we're going to go live. We're going to go live for an hour, and it's really going to be a heavy Q&A. We're going to talk about, you know, your, your methods of takes, so talk about archery equipment, muzzleloaders, rifles, talk about calibers, talk about options for, for finding ammunition and, and finding firearms. Uh, we're going to talk about the gear you need, and then we're going to answer general questions on hunting. So you have any questions about hunting any species in Colorado, join us live Tuesday at 7 p.m. So, again, Tuesday, 7 p.m., Colorado Parks and Wildlife Facebook page. Uh, we're going to do a live Q&A. So we're excited about that. Welcome, everybody, to join us there uh, and hopefully give you some information for, for an upcoming hunt and make sure that your hunt is successful. Uh, then we also have our night catch rate event this Friday night. So that's going to be 5 p.m. to 11 p.m. It's for carp, walleye, bass, trout, um, huge payouts, got a ton of other prizes. Uh, so we encourage everybody, go to our website, uh, get some information. There's no need to pre-register. You just sign up at Chatfield at the North Boat Dock. It's only $20 per species per angler. We pay cash that night, uh, so we're excited about that. So just put that on the calendar's catch rate this Friday night. So coming up, uh, you know, six days from now, Friday night, uh, catch rate at Chatfield. We're excited about that. We'd love to see everybody there. All right, my friend. And, of course, they can get lots of information at Sightline Outdoors on Facebook and on your website, and we will talk to you again soon. We'll talk to you soon, Terry. Thank you. All right, Nate Slinsky, great resource. Um, I'm going to talk more about the shore fishing when we get chat on, not the next segment. We're going to talk actually grilling with the folks from Jack's, but the segment after that, and we'll give you some up north ideas on where to go shore fishing. Right now we're going to take a quick time out. When we come back, the folks from Jack's are going to join us and talk about grilling and smoking right here on Terry Wicks from Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. He was a Midwestern boy on his own. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan, brought to you in part by Jack's Outdoor Gear and Jack's Stores. Let's go to uh, the phones right now. And joining us from uh, Jack's Farm and uh, Farm and Home, I believe they are, and Outdoor versus Farm Stores, and that's Jim Shea. Good morning, Jim. Good morning, Terry. I must spoke. It's Farm and Ranch. You're, you're at the Farm and Ranch store, but... Jack's has two different types of stores, and they combine some. Maybe be, we're going to talk some grilling, but before we get into it, maybe you could tell people the difference in the stores. Absolutely. Well, we always say that uh, the the outdoor store is the fun store, and the farm and ranch store is the work store. Um, we have uh, in the farm and ranch store we have workwear and uh, ag agricultural and automotive departments. We also carry still power tools. Um, we have a very large hardware and paint selection. Um, and we also sell pet and equine supplies and feed. That's the and that's so, what separates the two stores. <laughs> and then when you go to stores, there'll some like Lafayette has an outdoor store and a farm and ranch store, but some of the stores like the the West Store in Loveland are a com- combination. Is that right? That's correct. That's correct. In fact, both okay. both uh, stores in Loveland are, are uh, combined stores. There's also a combined store in Broomfield. And then the uh, stores in Fort Collins are separated, just like they are in Lafayette. Now, some items overlap, whether it's a combined store or not. I believe Jax is pretty heavy into grilling in all their stores, aren't they? Yes, they are. There's a full selection. We all carry the same uh, same models. 
Um, it's on the grilling side. It's it's the same in all stores. And you know, outdoor people. You know, obviously, a lot of the listeners to this show are into outdoor recreation, fishing, hunting, camping. I'm, and a lot of that overlaps into the the farm and ranch store. But I think the the grilling part or the smoking part that we're going to talk about. I think people who love the outdoors love cooking outdoors too. I do. I cook so much on my patio. And I try to cook whenever the weather's good out there. And then whether I'm cooking wild game or fish that was harvested or just some meat or fish I bought at the store, I still love to cook it outdoors. But I think a lot of people, they see the options out there about smoking. They see charcoal. They see gas. How do you decide? What do you look at? Take me kind of through the trip. I've just come into Jack's. I want to get into outdoor cooking. Take me through the options I'm going to have. Okay, well, you, the, the first option you'll have is, is smoking. And we carry Traeger smokers. Um, there's a wide range. We carry almost a full range of Traeger grills, Traeger, Traeger smokers, um, starting from the little tailgater that can be used uh, in sporting events and small events where you're taking it away from home to all the way up to the Timberline grills, which is kind of the Cadillac of the of the Traeger smokers. Um, we also carry a wide range of Weber grills um, from charcoal to, uh, to gas. And it, it really depends on, on what you like to use um, to smoke or grill. Um, personally, I prefer to smoke. Um, it's, it's a uh, wonderful medium. Um, I, I like to do longevity cooking, which means uh, anywhere from 12 to 16 hours uh, on the smoker itself. And uh, I have a lot of fun with it. Now, on, on the smokers, a lot of people are afraid. They won't know what to do with it. I mean, they're, they're, they don't understand it. So if I'm going to get a modern Traeger grill, do I have to be an expert, or is it have they really made it so that you can catch on pretty quickly? They've really made it so you can catch on pretty quickly. The the newer uh, uh, from the Junior Elite up through the Pro Series 22s are all digital controlled, so you could actually set your temperature, and usually within ten degrees on either side of high or low um uh, your your the heat will stay um the pro series up through the timberline series are are what's called wi-fi which is bluetooth enabled um you can download recipes and that will automatically set the temperatures for you um and really walk you through the the smoking process now, if I want to start smoking, um, if I get a, a Traeger grill, I've heard nothing but great things, and I have a gas grill, which you guys also sell. We'll talk a little bit about it in a minute. But um, if I want to start doing smoking or I want to get a Traeger and I want to cook and smoke both, I can do that. But do I get st- to get started, do I just need the grill and some pellets? What else do I need? You'll need um, uh uh, cooking accessories, if you've got them, we carry a wide range of, of uh, grilling tools. Um, we carry a wide range of, of pellets, which you would need. 
we also carry uh, accessories for the grill itself. We carry insulation blankets to smoke it during the winter time. Um, we carry the covers. Um, just about now, every accessory. I, you can. Do I use different pellets to get different flavors? Is that what we do? Yes, that's what you do. Uh, Traeger has got a wide range of, of flavored pellets um, from savory to sweet. And depending upon the, that uh, that type of flavoring you want to add to the meat is, is how you will select your pellets. And what about, do you add, when you're smoking, is it typical to add rubs and spices too? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Typically, I will go ahead and, and rub the meats prior to putting them on the smoker. Um, then as that smokes and the meat cooks, it actually... The juices run will run into the meat and and flavor the meat with those rubs as well. Now, if I come into the store and I want to get a Traeger grill, and I tell you I'm going to cook my first brisket, what pellets and what rub are you going to sell me? I would probably hook you up with um, uh, with a prime rib rub to begin with. Um, personally, I like to use hickory when I when I cook a brisket. So uh, it just adds that uh, nice smoky wood flavor uh, to the meat, and the prime rib has got enough spices in it that it really brings out that beef flavoring. You know, and you can't you can cook more than just meat on a smoker grill too. Uh, you know, vegetables on any of the grills you can cook vegetables, and I know one of your favorites. You tell me is a pizza you cook on your grill. Yes, yes, we love to uh, to purchase the take and bake pizzas and bring them home and and uh, uh, smoke them as well. It's it's really a fantastic flavoring on the crust and on the meat, the toppings themselves. Um, it's it's very fun. You, we can also do vegetable or uh, uh, fruits. Uh, making desserts is is. Uh, an awesome thing. I've done some apple crumbles. Um, it's it's really a nice, uh, you, you could almost imagine it being your oven inside. Now, we're out of time, but we want to also let people know that you have a full line of charcoal and gas grills from Weber, too. And you can get started on a grill for probably around 100 bucks for a charcoal grill and go up and then with the Traegers. And you can spend hundreds, but... Somebody will be at Jack's at any of the stores, and they can go through each of these with you. Is that right? That is correct. That is correct. All right, Jim. Well, thank you for joining us. You got me excited. I might have to start getting I might have to get a smoker. <laughs> Terrific. Well, please come and talk to me. I will. Thanks for joining us today. You bet. You bet. That's Jim Schick. Jim Shea from the Lafayette Farm and Ranch Store, Jacks. We're going to take a time out. We come back. Chad Lachance is going to join us. He's on the water, going to tell us the current fishing conditions at Horse Tooth. Then I'm going to answer some questions people ask. All that more coming up on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, presented by Jacks Outdoor Gear on 104.3 The Fan. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Let's go right to the phones. I want to spend some time with our next contributor. He's been one of our longest-time contributor and the original person to fill in as a co-host on this show, and that's, of course, Chad, Chad Lachance with Fishful Thinker. Good morning, Chad. Are you there, Chad? 
Yes, sir, I'm here. There you go. How you doing this morning? Uh, well, the sun's finally starting to crack out, and that is a welcome sight. I understand why some Indians worship the sun, because it has been cold this morning. Uh, woke yeah, up you, this morning to freezing drizzle on the lake, and uh, it's slowly been getting warmer. Water temperatures dropped all the way back into the low 40, 40 to 42 degree range uh, based on the snow we've had. So it's, it'll keep you honest for sure. That's true, and we're going to talk about those conditions. Before we start, I got to tell you that I was looking at my YouTube channel page this morning, and over the last two, three days, the most, most watched episode was bass fishing at Pueblo with Chad Lachance. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure Karen will get a good laugh out of that. We had a fun day that day. Uh, but, yeah, you know, it's always fun watching the, the old shows on the YouTube channel, and uh, we're having fun with that as well. And, and there's an episode that came out that we did on Carter Lake that you and I originally, or actually I did with Karen on Carter Lake, and, and we did a spinoff on that. I need to get you guys a copy of it. Yeah, we'll like to see that. So let's talk about right now, though, um, you're out on horse tooth. This weather, we've had an extended cold streak. It's supposed to warm up. Typically in April, we get some cold, snowy weather, but we get some 60, 70, 80 degree days in between. And until now, we really haven't had that for the last two or three weeks. How's it affecting the fishing? Well, the, the water temperature has been going steadily backwards for basically three weeks, so two and a half weeks. And so, I mean, I don't know anyone that's done very much fishing in their life knows that that'll keep, uh, keep you honest as an angler because, you know, we were looking at temperatures pushing 50 degrees, and in, in certainly in the sheltered water, we were looking at 52-degree water. And when, when we launched this morning at the boat ramp, it was 39.5-degree water. It was freezing drizzle this morning, literally. It was raining last night at dark. Uh, you know, cold rain. So it's the temperatures dropped a bunch, and at the same time, the lake is rising. So the lakes come up in that same two week period, probably two feet, maybe a little bit more than that. And so there's kind of a dichotomy going on. The rising water wants to push the fish shallow, but the surface water is really cold. So it's uh, it's keeping the fish on their bicycle, so to speak. They're moving around a lot, and you got to earn your bites. Having said that, they will bite. Uh, you know, we've got a couple of bites this morning, but they're kind of nippy. And as you know, smallmouth bass love sunshine, so I think we get the sun to come out in a, a degree or two on the surface. It'll help a lot. But the biggest thing I want to tell anglers in this type of a condition is you, you kind of got to fish by the seat of your pants. I mean, if I went to all the spots we caught them last year, this literally on this, say, this week last year, and uh, and did everything I did last year, you're not going to catch anything this year. It's very, very different in that regard. In the very beginning of the season, you know, the first couple of days before we had this weird cold patch that we've been going through, they were very predictable. I mean, literally exactly like they were last year. But this year, uh, or this, you know, last couple of weeks, since all this snow, it's changed a lot. And we had basically three and a half feet during that big snow here at Horsetooth, and that's a lot, you know. I mean, the, the, the marina opened, um, I guess, last Thursday, and it was frozen two weeks prior to that. So it's definitely been an interesting spring, but the fish are still there. They will bite, and the thing I tell people, too, if you see trout come to the surface, get a bait for them as fast as you can because uh, the trout are the ones that don't seem to mind this weather. It's a shame the inlet's closed to fishing, but we ought to point that out. The inlet is closed to fishing right now. Uh, as it always is, but there's a bunch of bobos up in there. All right. Are you still there? Yes, sir. 
Okay, for a minute I thought I lost you. Yeah, we've got um, conditions are changing. How much do you rely on your electronics this time of the year with these kind of conditions? You're fishing for deeper fish. That must be critical. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm using the same thing as we've talked about in the past, Terry, and that a lot of times we're looking for transitions. Like one of the well-known ones here at Horse 2 is the transition of the rock that's on each of the dam faces. There's four dams here at Horse 2. There's a transitional edge from the from the rocks where the riprap that forms the dam face transitions to the natural earth. Those edges can be really important, and knowing where those edges are, it requires your draft to sit on those, not to mention suspended fish, uh, you know, and things like that as well. But, yeah, it's, it's very much an electronics game. Uh, as soon as we put the boat in the water, we start it, and we go from there. Having said that, particularly if we get some sun, uh, some of the smallmouth and the, and the bass will pull up on the banks and the trout will come up high in the column and then they're hard to mark. And it's all about watching the, uh, watching the transitions in the, in the cover on the bottom. So as you approach these lakes, you're going to really watch the temperature. I've had some, some questions about, first of all, where's some good fishing up in our part of the state. We covered kind of the Southern part with Nate, but we didn't talk much about up here with Carter and Horsetooth and, and even Boyd coming up with these warm days in the next few days. And then we've also had some people that tomorrow is going to be a beautiful day. Where might they go shore fishing in the areas? Let's start with the, um, the shore fishing one. Where have you, any, any suggestions of, you know, tomorrow is going to be beautiful. If I want to drive up somewhere and just fish from shore, where would you start? Well, I would probably still, as much as I hate to say it, I'd probably still go pond fishing right now just because they're going to be more volatile. And normally that's bad, but what that also means is this, that temperature, that warm temperature around the, the dark banks is going to be a, you know, a definite um, plus, and the fish will perk up quickly. The other thing I would consider doing is going any place the trout were stocked recently, for instance, at the, around the, the ramp itself at Boyd Lake, I would think would fish well for possibility of trout. Um, you know, as far as that goes, and then any of the rivers, when I've been up in Poudre Canyon a couple times recently, and it is not getting any runoff, and the fishing's actually decent. I mean, it's getting a little runoff, but not enough to make it muddy. So that would be a very good possibility as well uh, to to catch a bunch of fish. If I was gonna if I was gonna go for numbers of fish, I would go trout fishing. If I was gonna be looking for some really big ones, I would probably hit some of the lakes and see if I could some of the ponds, you know, and see if I could catch some big largemouth. Because I think as soon as that weather starts warming at all, they're going to really have a hard push to come up, you know, and get up on the banks and do their thing. At the end of the day, they really want to get on the banks this time of year. It's just the weather that's holding them off. How about the walleyes at Carter? Have you heard anything? You know, they're usually a little later than the southern front range reservoirs. And are we still seeing any pre-spawn or post-spawn fish by the banks there? Yeah, a few, but not a lot. And keep in mind, I, I have to be honest, I haven't been on Carter a lot recently because the lake was closed for a long time for that missing kayaker, and then they were closed for weather a couple of days as well, uh, even the last few days. So I haven't been down there a lot. Having said that, the reports from there are very typical in that there are uh, you know some fish to be caught around the dusk hours, but the surprise at Carter has been the trout, not the walleyes. The, you know, the Ben Swiggle and Parks Wildlife guys have put a lot of effort into getting the trout going in there, and they're doing a decent job with it. There's uh, a fair number of them, and they're definitely catchable. I'd probably go trolling if I was going to be in a boat, and if I was going on the bank, I would for sure go where the wind is blowing in on it or fish around the boat ramps, all other things being equal. So I got a couple questions. Well, we just got a, a listener that 
we're going to change gears in a minute. I want to get where you'd go the next couple of days in a boat where you think the best bite is going to be. But they want to know about their deep cycle battery for a trolling motor. Is there a brand you recommend? No, honestly, I don't have a strong preference for that. I ran Duracell uh, deep cycle batteries it, as far as lead acid goes. I get it, batteries plus. I ran those for years and did a good job with those, had great success with those. I don't have any necessarily brand allegiance per se, but I did have good success with those. Uh, my new boat's got all lithium ions in it, and uh, and those are a whole different beast. And you're talking about a lot of money. But th- at the end of the day, the big thing for deep cycles is don't get an AGM. Get a true lead-acid battery. If you want the maximum amount of cranking power, take good care of that battery. Uh, charge it all the way up and then fill it. Don't fill it with water and then charge it. It'll boil over and just keep it topped off. You don't want a trickle charger with a deep cycle battery. You want to go ahead and put some amperage through it because a trickle charger will never top a deep cycle battery all the way off. It'll uh, it'll never get its full potential back if you do that. So uh, that's the one thing I would keep in mind about that. But bigger is better. And uh, and like I said, if I'm picking one, I'm just going to go, go buy one of Duracells. I know they work well. Yeah, and I I can attest to that. I'm not sponsored by anybody with batteries, and I am running for the my uh, the second set of Duracells that I bought through Batteries Plus. They had great prices, and I've had great luck with them too. So I I have no well, and they support the recommend. fishing industry too. I want to point that out. Uh, you know, the, the particularly the, the Noco Batteries Plus guys have supported walleye tournaments and bass tournaments for a long time, and therefore their karma is good. Yeah. Okay. Last question. We'll let you get back to scraping up some fish there. If you were going tomorrow, it's beautiful out in a boat. Where would you go and how would you approach it? Um, based on what I've seen here at Horse 2 so far the last couple of days, I would probably, if I could, go south. Uh, just because they've, they've avoided some of the most recent snows, I probably would go down to Trinidad, personally, if I could drive. If I was going to go somewhere closer to home, I may consider going to Boyd tomorrow uh, and fish the outside stuff. I would forget any of the banks for bass, walleyes, or trout for the most part. I would fish the outside edges in the 12 to you know 15-foot range. Uh, unless it gets really warm, at which point then I might pull up and fish some of the actual grass edges and stuff like that. But in NOCO, I'm probably going there just because it's shallower and will react to the warming trend a little quicker. A place like Horsetooth or Carter is going to take a long time for these fish to really notice a lot of difference in a warming trend. All right, my friend, as always, great information. If people want to talk to you, get more information, they can find you on YouTube. They can find you at Fishful Thinker, Facebook, and online, I'm sure. So, Have a good rest of the day and enjoy the weekend. All right, Terry, one quick thing. Go ahead, get yourself a smoker, and and I think you won't regret it. (laughs) (laughs) You were listening. Yeah, we had... I'm 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 about ready to add a smoker to the you know I've got my grills now I'm ready I'm close I'm close I might get one we'll see we'll get there thanks Chad <laughs> all right take care Terry have a great day you bet Chad Lachance we'll take a quick time out when we come back I'm going to wrap up the show but I'm going to give a few pointers on where I think you might catch some fish from shore during this nice warm spell too all that and more as we wrap up Terry Wicks from Outdoors and 104.3 The Fan. Robert Zimmerman from Hibbing, Minnesota, same high school as me. Of course, most people know him as Bob Dylan. You're listening to Terry Wicks from Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. We're going to wrap things up. We had a few questions. We had some people asking, going to get really nice the next day or two. Where can I go shore fishing? And the first thing I would do if I just wanted to go catch some fish, I would go to um, my Facebook page, Terry Wicks from Outdoors, and I would click on the fishing report, which we just 
posted, Karen put up yesterday. And then I would click on the part of that that's the stocking report. I would look what's been recently stocked in the last month up and down the front range. The lakes are still fairly cool. Those trout are going to be close to shore and accessible. And if you might have to move around the shore until you find where there are some, but once you locate them, you should have a day where you catch a lot of fish. Um, you know, there's a lot of smaller lakes. You know, you can go up north of uh, up the up the mountain from Carter, and you've got Flatiron and Pinewood. You've got uh, Saint Vrain Park lakes that, that right by the highways. You go down there. And we've got uh, Boyd and just a number, but I would look at that stocking report. Now, there's a number of trout that are going to be available also th- that are holdover. So if you're not as interested in numbers, but you'd like to see some bigger fish, go to some lakes like Carter. A couple of years ago, Karen caught a huge rainbow off the shore, just casting uh, spoons and plugs off the shore at Carter. And uh, you won't get as many bites, maybe, but you've got a chance with some big fish. And Horse Tooth has a few of those, and so does Boyd. But any of the lakes up and down the Front Range have the potential to do that. Aurora Reservoir would be another one. So the trout, to me, would be the number one thing I would want to chase from shore. Don't be afraid to start heading up in the mountains. The North Park lakes are going to start fishing well. You're going to get open water. It's, it's starting to open up at Lake John, the Delaney's. So you've got all those lakes. Your rivers are not flowing too hard yet. They're pretty fishable. And then, of course, Nate told us that Spinney is fishing phenomenal from shore. You can't launch a boat there yet, but it is open to hand launch like float tubes and kayaks, and it is fishing well from shore. So those are some options I would do. Now, if you want to go after the warm water species, the walleyes, the bass, the panfish, uh, walleyes, a little tough right now from shore. You can still get them. But, you know, you're going to work hard for your bites, but you can get them. But the bass and the panfish are going to start moving to the banks. We're going to get two or three days of exceptionally warm weather here. And as they move to the banks, you're going to be able to get them. The ponds are going to warm up the fastest. So I've got a number of ponds around Fort Collins that I'll go check out. I'll throw maybe a a little plug out there for them, a little spinnerbait out there for them. I may even throw some soft plastics, but I'll nose around. If I think it's a lake, or a small pond that has crappies and bluegills, I may throw a, a, a bobber out with different types of uh, gulp baits under it, small gulps, or even live baits like a, a little minnow or a nightcrawler, and you could do really well on some of the panfish. That's all going to turn on, but it's going to get better and better over the next few weeks. But with this warm weather, I would say by, you know, Monday, Tuesday, you should have some pretty good opportunities. going to get a little cold, cold stretch in there, but it should start getting pretty consistent. So that's I just want to throw that out there. Now, Karen has informed me that starting in May, we're going to have another trivia where we'll be giving away uh, probably a, like a $50 gift card from Jack's or something. The way to know the answer to the trivia is to follow us on Facebook at Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. And you should follow us there anyway, because not only do we talk about what's coming up on the show, we post podcasts of segments we've already had on from the week previous in case you missed them. Uh, we're gonna we give the trivia answers every time. Karen adds another um, video to our YouTube channel. She posts that on our Facebook page, so you know it's there. And there's there's probably around 150 videos on our Facebook uh, page. I mean, our YouTube channel right now, which is the best of fishing with Terry Wickstrom. And about half of those were filmed right around here. Now, some of them we go from Alaska to Central America and those things show you some great destinations, fun to watch. But there's a lot of good information about fishing right around here. So we got the trivia coming. 
follow us on Facebook, follow us on YouTube. Next week, we will have an abbreviated show. It's the NFL draft, and we're we're all anxious to see what the Broncos are going to do at quarterback, or if they're going to do anything at quarterback. And so you might we'll be on from nine to ten, and then from ten o'clock on, we will have the both the remaining rounds in the wrap up of the NFL draft. And the week after that, we'll go back to our our normal time frame, and probably start looking at trivia shortly after that. So tune in every Saturday from nine to eleven. Follow us on Facebook, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Certainly follow this show. We'll try to help you enjoy your outdoor experiences and make you more successful and let you have more fun. I want to say thanks to Kyle for in the studio keeping us in line. Thanks to Karen for lining everything up and working at the studio here in Fort Collins. We'll let the Eagles take us to the top of the hour in ESPN Sports on 104.3 The Fan. Yes, she's still-